Hello, and welcome to Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight Media's two food service brands, Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering Menu, Food, and Drink for both brands. Today, I'm talking with Aaron Stadenmeyer, Concept Chef for Whiskey Cake, Kitchen, and Bar, a growing casual dining chain based in Texas. His cooking focuses on farm-fresh ingredients and flavor-infused techniques, with some whimsical touches thrown in for a bit of fun. Listen as Chef Stadenmeyer shares how he strives to create revved-up American dishes that differentiate the menu and position it for growth. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So tell me about your journey as a chef. You started as a dishwasher working the graveyard shift at a truck stop, and then you moved on to become an apprentice at 14. So you started at a very young age. You know, I, I did start at a, at a young and impressionable age, and I think that's, uh, that's affected me my, my whole life. I'm still, the therapy's coming along well. But um, <laughs> no, I started, uh, I started as a dishwasher in a, a truck stop in Fargo. Uh, that is true. And uh, it was kind of the, that was the one job that you could get as a, as a long-haired, antisocial punk rock kid back in the day. And uh, strangely enough, I fit right into kitchens. It was a really smooth transition. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took me about six hours to realize that the, uh, the dish room was not really where I wanted to be. So I uh, got talking and, and doing the thing and met a couple of uh, chefs who were opening a restaurant, um, a German uh, chef and a French sous chef. And uh, they said, come do an apprenticeship with us. And uh, so at 14 and a half, I started uh, an apprenticeship in a, a French style kitchen and uh, had no idea that some of those things uh, were, were not exactly the way things were supposed to be. Um, you know, you're, you're coming home after somebody's been throwing things and swearing at you all day, and you're like, man, this is why my parents are sometimes bummed out after work. If this is work, this is rough. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, the, the adrenaline junkie part of it. I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the challenge of, are we going to be able to get this done today? Um, you know, learned, uh, learned a ton of technical skills, um, learned um, some personal skills to avoid. Mm-hmm. But uh, really enjoyed the industry and kind of kicked around um, uh, from there. I, I kind of, you know, I did what, what paid the bills because, um, you know, it was just, I, I was waiting for my real job to start um, as, mm-hmm. as many cooks and chefs and restaurant people are. So, um, you know, I kind of did uh, a couple of line cook deals and, and all of that, and, you know, kind of grew up in the kitchen and you know, made my bones, as they say. And uh, never with the intention of, of being a chef. I was going to be an English professor, actually. Huh. Um, and uh, it, it was. It was a very different thing. And um, I, moved from, uh, I moved from Fargo to Minneapolis and then eventually into Dallas, where I got a job um, at the mansion on Turtle Creek with Dean Fearing, who I had no idea who Dean was. Um, so I walked in and I'm like, man, I've, I've worked at a, a Holiday Inn and a Radisson and I'm going to show these guys what real cooking is all about. And I'm going to go in. And it's going to be awesome. And uh, it took me uh, seriously three hours before I had I realized I had no idea what was going on. And uh, I sat down with Dean and I said, look, man, I, I don't know what's going on. Um, like, I don't understand the words these guys are using. I don't know. You know, somebody asked me to go in the, the cooler and get a chayote. They told me it was a green round thing. 
I came back with a green apple because I was so nervous. I just grabbed the first round green thing I saw. Um, and uh, I told Dean, I'm like, man, I never realized this was a real job until just this moment. And if this is a real job, I want this to be my real job because I love doing it. I have a great time with it. And I never knew it was a career. So, uh, you know, Dean being Dean said, uh, you know what? I like your enthusiasm and, uh, and you've got great hair. I actually had hair back then. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know what? You can stay. And uh, I told him that we can, we can part ways as friends or, or, uh, or I can be the best cook you've ever had. And uh, he let me stay. So uh, true to my word, I was the youngest, uh, youngest senior sous chef in the history of the mansion. So that was, that was my thing is I wanted to do it and do it right. Um, and that was, that was kind of the journey of, of how a, a young kid all of a sudden completely through no planning and no organization stumbled into, uh, cooking in high-end kitchens. It was a complete and total accident. Um, and I've really been gifted to work with some, uh, some great chefs who were also amazing teachers. Um, so never went to culinary school. Mm. Uh, you know, I could, I could afford to make $7 an hour. I couldn't afford to spend 40 a year. Um, to go to school. Um, and when I sat down and talked to Dean about going to culinary school, um, his exact comment was, do you think you're going to learn something reading a book that you don't learn in this kitchen every day? And I said, you know, that's, I'd, I'd much rather learn by, by hanging out and doing it. So yeah. that was kind of the, the early days transition. And then you also worked with uh, Kent Rathman, who has Abacus and Jasper. I did. Um, so Kent, uh, kind of a funny, weird Dallas inbred restaurant scene. Um, Kent used to be the um, AM Sue for Dean, um, kind of before my time. And when I left the mansion, I went to the Inn at Little Washington, out uh, outside of D.C. with mm -hmm. Patrick O'Connell. Um, great restaurant, great people. Um, loved being out there beautiful place um like the definition of farm to table you know we were buying morel mushrooms out of the back of pickup trucks it was it was crazy but it was super fun um but you know after a little while that decided to come back home and i uh, came back to dallas and called dean and said hey do you know anybody who's doing anything and who do i need to talk to and uh, he said hey you remember kent rathman you've met him once or twice he's doing this thing and you should go talk to him and uh went over and um Kent was opening Abacus and, and as kind of a tribute to Kent's enthusiasm when he talks about things and, and, and sells a project, this was a construction zone um, with a blueprint. And by the time I walked out of that meeting, I was so excited. I was like, I have to work in this place. And uh, Kent and I started working together and we opened Abacus. Um, then we did Jasper's a catering company. A uh, little restaurant called Rathman's Blue Plate. We did uh, six or seven different concepts um, all over uh, all over Texas, and um, yeah, and then uh, moved on from there to uh, a place called Boot Ranch out in the Hill Country before uh, before coming back to Dallas. So that at Boot Ranch, you could actually use some of your farm to table um, experience because that's very farm to table kind of place. Oh, uh, Boot Ranch was was an interesting project. It was. Um, they basically said it was a, a property that was an ultra luxury property that was finished in 2008. So of course it went straight into bankruptcy because that's not the time to finish a project like that. Um, they brought me and, and some of our team on to um, sort of restore it to its previous glory 
And uh, they basically said, here's a super tricked out kitchen, do whatever you want. And uh, you know, chef's dream. It was literally whatever you feel like doing, just go do it. Wow. And, you know, the hill country in Texas is, it's like the Napa Valley of Texas. It's the second largest wine growing region in, in the United States. So you've got uh, great wineries down there. You've got a couple of really cool distilleries. Um, Garrison Brothers makes bourbon and whiskey down there. Um, you've got a ton of local farmers. So literally it was, uh, I would grab a, a, my old pickup truck and I would hit all these farms um, on Thursday morning and we'd drive around and just whatever they had is what we were cooking. We'd bring that into the restaurant uh, Friday or Thursday afternoon and decide that was the menu that we were going to roll through the weekend with. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, you know, when you talk about a farm to table menu, it was what, whatever happened to be super cool. There, there were days where we were, uh, you know, we, we were washing dirt off vegetables as fast as we could because, you know, service started in two hours and we had just gotten back from the farm. Wow. So it was, uh, it was a, a lot of fun. And then next you opened Lover Seafood. So that's kind of a different direction. Or You know, uh, that was a super different direction. So Lover Seafood was a project with, um, funny enough, Kent's wife, uh, Kent Rathman's wife, Tracy, and uh, Lene Fearing, who used to be Dean's wife before they separated. And uh, they own a sushi bar here in Dallas called uh, Shinsei that's been around for uh, many moons. And they wanted to open another concept called Lover's Seafood. Lover's was uh, w- was a trip. It was a, a fully operational retail uh, fish market. It was uh, a full raw bar with East Coast, West Coast, Florida, uh, seafood, oysters, crab. Um, and a fully operational kitchen all in a space that was about 3,000 square feet. I mean, it was a, it's a tiny little place. Wow. And, uh, you know, we, we had a, a really good time doing that. Um, but and it's, you know, I've always loved seafood. I grew up in Minnesota, you know, landed 10,000 lakes. So, you know, I grew up eating walleye straight out of the water, you know, grilling on the boat. So um, the ability to do that was, was super fun. Really enjoyed that project. And then you, um, you expanded Jasper's into multiple locations. So how did that help prepare you for the job of leading Whiskey Cake? Because that's a casual dining concept that's growing. Yeah. So uh, the, the Jasper's thing was, was definitely a huge learning piece. Because, again, you know, coming from kind of ultra-luxury fine dining restaurants, there's a lot of stuff that's not written down. It's a chef shows you or the saucier teaches you how to make a sauce and you have recipes that are literally just a list of ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't, uh, you know, measure like I, I don't think there are measuring cups in some of those kitchens other than the pastry shop if you wanted to go measure something. And so being in that kind of mentality for most of my career, um, I learned how difficult it is to go from one restaurant to two. Um, we're now opening our, our ninth uh, whiskey cake. I'm actually sitting here in, in the construction site right now. And going from eight to nine is a little easier because you work out all of those bugs. Mm. Um, but like with Jasper's or the second whiskey cake, it was, it's the whole thing of, uh, of what, what do you mean that I need to write a recipe for, for barbecue sauce? Just go make it. Make it taste like this. Like here's what's in it. Go do it. And um, it, it was a really a learning curve because – all of a sudden I had to be able to write recipes and procedures and, and explain myself and, and how to recreate a dish to someone that potentially had never even heard me speak. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, uh, that was the, the biggest piece of that learning process was, um, how do you, how do you teach someone, um, without physically standing next to them with a knife in your hand? Um, and it's, it's still one of those things where, you know, I struggle to write recipes that make sense to anyone that's not standing, you know, in my head. So it's definitely an art. Do you, so do you do most of your training by video or online or? Are you actually in each location as it opens? You know, I, I travel a lot. Um, I'm always in a uh, I'm always in the new restaurants as we uh, as we train and as we open. Um, I try to spend as much time in kitchens as I possibly can, but a lot of it is is simply it's photos. It's remembering that you know, hey, if you're going to tell somebody move something out of this bowl and into that bowl. Are you going to use a rubber spatula? Are you going to use a spoon? Like, you know, it's, it's remembering to write down all of the basics that, you know, um, you know, write it, write it down so that somebody that has never seen it done could figure it out. Cool. So you brought some of your ideas, uh, your farm to table ideas to whiskey cake um, and you do revved up American dishes. That's what they call it on the website. Absolutely. So, how do you, um, you know, source from ranchers, farmers, and artisans when you're a growing casual dining chain? That must be kind of a challenge. It, it is. It's actually one of the, the biggest challenges that we, um, that we actually deal with because it's easy to replicate something when you can just, you know, call a Cisco and say, hey, I need, you know, copy my order guide and do the exact same thing you did on the last one. Um, with whiskey cake, we actually have a an advanced team that I go in with, and uh, before we ever even really get construction rolling, it's we're we're hitting farmers markets. We're out in the, the surrounding country around these cities, um, and it's it's tracking people down. You get to have really fun days, like you have ice cream tasting days where you're going to go taste ice creams from four local vendors. I, I would um, it, it, yeah, I mean it's, it's it's a terrible job. I suffer through it every day. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we track down the, the best of the local farmers and artisans. Um, as we continue to grow, if you're, um, it, it works well if you build a second one in the same city. Um, but every time we work into a new city or a new area, um, there, there's a lot of just going out and meeting people and shaking hands and going out and meeting some goats to find out if they can make goat milk and, and all that kind of fun stuff. So it's, a, it's an interesting part of the challenge. So the location that you're at now that's about to open, where is that one? We are in the Woodlands, Texas, which is a northern suburb of Houston. It's actually our fourth one in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, when you're talking local sourcing, that sounds like, oh, hey, four in one area. That's great. Um, Houston's one of the biggest cities in the country. So we have four in the Houston area, and they're all about an hour apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so each one has a, has a very unique uh, kind of artisan profile. What are some of the signature dishes on Whiskey Cake's menu? And is there anything you couldn't take off because it's so popular? Um, you know, the we have a couple of, of signature dishes. One of them is uh, we do farm birds. We take local chickens. We brine them for 24 hours. We marinate them for 24 hours. And then we put them on a wood-burning rotisserie. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got fresh birds going on the roti about every 90 minutes. Um, and then, you know, those become... Uh, they come straight off the roti, get sliced up and served as a dish with, uh, um, you know, crispy bacon, Brussels sprouts and, and celery root puree that's super tasty. Um, 
I think, and then anything that doesn't go onto a plate, we shred out. So we make sandwiches out of it. We make salads out of it. And it's, it's just this salty, smoky, delicious, awesome chickeny goodness. Um, so um, the, uh, you know, I think that's one of those things that there's so much chicken in, in our world. You know, we use it for chicken stock. We use it. It's a little bit everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think if we were ever change our our program with uh, with the farm bird, we'd have to rewrite half the menu. It's it's just mm-hmm. intrinsic. Um, the other is probably um, one of my favorites is called the Three Little Pigs, and they're little barbecue pork sliders. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of a fun version of of what whiskey cake is all about. Is we're we're kind of a everyday tavern, right? And the the design of the restaurant is is designed to look as if we found an old pre-prohibition warehouse and just kind of walked in and started cooking bootleg style, right? <laughs> so we do these little roast, you know, we do uh, some really great pulled pork, um, a little apple kale salad. We hand make all of our, our bread and buns in house, so it's a house made bun. Um, and then we take uh, we take those and they're served on a brick. Um, because you know what, why use a plate when you're in a factory, you happen to have a brick. So we use one and, uh, it's, it's just, it's just spicy enough that you think about, man, this might be a little too far, but it's right there. Mm. Um, it's just one of those fun everyday dishes that, you know, just gets you off the couch and want, you got to go get another one. So I love the idea of the snack section on whiskey cakes menu, because that's the way so many people are eating these days. So did you develop that with you know, the changes in snacking trends and what are some of your favorites? You know, the, I, I've got to, I've got to give credit to those that came before me. Um, whiskey cake already was at, um, five locations when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the idea of a snack section predates me. Um, although if we wouldn't have had one, I would have invented one anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's how I eat when you talk about that, mm-hmm. that being the trend. Um, I've walked into restaurants and ordered everything off the appetizer menu and, you know, never seen an entree. Um, I love food that is that is tactile, food you can pick up and play with and 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 experiment with. Um, I love communal food that you can share with the group of people that you're with. Um, I think those are all important things because it's you know anybody can sit down and eat an entree with a fork and a knife and and be that's a very solo experience. You know, to really have that kind of communal tavern experience you want little little bites and and bits that you can share and things like that Mm -hmm. um a great example that that kind of sums up the the feel of of what we do is we have what's called a local board and it's it's local meats and sausages local cheeses um honeycomb from our honey guy um mustard house-made pickles and it's just kind of a cool little charcuterie board and it's a little bit different in every location because it's based on what's in that neighborhood Mm. but it's uh it, it's the kind of thing of you know everybody grabs a drink and, and you can kind of share it and play with it and, and uh I, I just love food like that so I, I think our snack section will continue to grow and and be vibrant and fun so talking about cocktails do you have input into that as well like to develop um dishes that will pair well with the cocktails and other drinks you know um the cocktail thing is, is a challenge for me. I quit drinking many, many moons ago. Um, and when I did drink, I drank straight whiskey. I, I wasn't cultured enough to, uh, to ever get to cocktails back in my drinking days. Um, so a lot of what I work with um, as far as the cocktail program goes is um, seasonality and produce. So if they want, um, hey, we're going to make a, a basil infusion 
okay, great. Let's make sure that we've got great basil from the local farm. Let's make sure we're using an amazing product. And then um, a lot of tech support on, hey, I have this thing that exists in my head and I know that it would be delicious, but I don't know how to make it. Um, I get I get that from bartenders a lot of, hey, I know this would be good, but I don't know what to do. Mm. Um, so that's, uh, I run my own little culinary school in the back where where we teach bartenders how uh, uh, how to do some basic cooking and, and some not so basic cooking on how to create all that stuff. Right. Are they doing mocktails too with some of the flavor profiles that you We made? do. Um, yep. So we have a, uh, our whole bar is all, all fresh handmade in-house. So we do all of our own juices, all of our own infusions, all of that. So we have actually a really uh, pretty cool section of, uh, of, of juice drinks and, and uh, you know, mocktails as you will. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, we, we put as much thought into, you know, if, if I were to come in and sit down and, you know, hey, I'm not going to order a cocktail, um, but I do want something kind of fun and creative and thoughtful, mm-hmm. you know, other than, you know, hey, you know, yes, I could drink a Coke or a nice tea, but, you know, I, I want the dinner experience too. Um, so we, we have a really great program kind of built around that. Cool. So let's talk about some of the ideas you needed to take whiskey cake through the pandemic. I mean, you talk about communal food. That's something that a lot of people aren't into right now. Um, are you pivoting the menu to, you know, sort of take care of that? Well, we did, uh, during the pandemic, we actually changed our entire business model and, and how the brand responded to to the pandemic is probably one of the things I am most proud of in my entire career, if not my entire life. Um, you know, we, we were sitting around and we were actually closing down restaurants and, and getting to the point of, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do a little bit of to go and we'll just wait this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my chefs, a guy named Stephen Vale, um, came up with the name quarantine survival kit. And he was like, Hey, here's a little package of stuff that, that I'm going to see if anybody wants. And, uh, we kind of said, that's a great idea. And, uh, we kind of fleshed it out and we took some pictures and everybody's like, Oh, maybe you'll sell one or two. And it was really based on people are struggling at the grocery store. We have all this food in our cooler restaurants are kind of now illegal. So let, let's go ahead and just get some of this into people's fridges at home because that's the best use for it. Let's feed hungry people or chefs. That's what we do. And, uh, took a couple of photos, did a little blurb, posted it on Facebook, set my phone down, had a meeting, came back 20 minutes later, picked up my phone. We had 105 orders. Wow. And, uh, I kind of looked up and I said, well, we have a new business plan. Um, we're now in the grocery business and, um, that's what we're going to do is if that's how our communities and our neighborhoods need us to support them, that's, that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're going to become. So you know, can we take care of people here? No, but you know what, if it's, if it's safer and better, if you can get high quality food in a safer manner than going to a grocery store where they don't have anything that you need and you have to deal with a bunch of people that, you know, don't understand social distancing, we're going to do that because we want to be able to take care of of our people. The um, kind of ancillary side effect of that was because we do use all of these local farms and all of these local vendors and small time artisans is we were able to call them. Um, and this, this whole thing took off, um, and, and was really a huge piece of our business model. Mm. Um, so we were able to call some of our local farmers and ranchers and say, Hey, um, we're going to buy everything that you've got. Um, because instead of, of, you know, dealing with these large, you know, 
huge companies that we knew could survive the storm. Um, it was, Hey, you and your wife or you and your husband are the, you're, you're the entire staff. So we need to take care of you. So, um, you know, it was, I heard many times through the pandemic, people would walk in and say, Hey man, I just want to let you know, you're our only customer. You're the only reason our shop is up and running and uh, thanks for what you're doing. And that was amazing. That was great. Yeah, that's it. Um, so heartfelt. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then we took uh, through that process, any of the gratuities that we, uh, we collected through there um, went to our furloughed staff so that they could take care of their families and, and come back to work. And the whole goal was, um, we just wanted everybody involved in the process from, from cooks to dishwashers, to managers, to cut, uh, servers, to people at home, to mm -hmm. farmers. We wanted everybody to be able to come back um, as whole and as healthy as possible when life started to get back to normal. Um, and I think curbside's here to stay. I think that's a, I think that's a permanent change in, in kind of our business model. I think restaurants as a whole, um, as people are designing and building new restaurants from this point moving forward is like the, the conversation of how are we going to deal with curbside is going to continue to be part of restaurant design moving forward. Right. I think outdoor dining is another thing that a lot of people are incorporating into their design. And I imagine you must have some of that at some locations. You know, we have, we have pretty large patios in all of our restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, we haven't really expanded those because it would involve some pretty serious construction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's August and September in Texas. Uh, it's 103 degrees and 90% humidity. Um, so, you know, short of, of building enclosed um, patio spaces, um, that would be a challenge, but we do, we are using um, our outdoor and patio areas as, as fully as we possibly can. And, you know, it, it says something to, uh, to the, to the people in the area that we're in that, you know, I think every one of our restaurants, the patio is full all day, every day. Mm. And that's, uh, yeah, that, that's, people are willing to go out and say, you know what? Yeah, it's warm, but you know, we want to take care of our restaurants and we, you know, we want to support our local businesses. Mm. So we appreciate well, it. Your season's a little longer than ours in Chicago, but it's very, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I am uh, being from Minnesota and North Dakota. I, I say frequently, I would, I would gladly go back to Minnesota any summer that they want to send me there, but I will not be there for the winter. Uh, yeah, that, that little bit in the summer is perfect. So your carryout menu, is that streamlined at all, or is it the same full menu that you serve in, in the dining rooms? Well, right now it's the same menu that we serve in the dining rooms, but we're kind of going through a transition. So in the new opening, um, we're actually opening with a new menu because um, along with everything else that we've been doing, we decided that it was a great time to kind of revamp the menu and, mm. and uh, do some, do some R&D and like that. So we're opening the Woodlands with a, a new menu. The rest of our locations are running about a 50% uh, version of the old menu. Um, but as more and more people are willing to come out and, uh, and enjoy the restaurant experience, we're actually looking at rolling full menu back into all of our other locations um, kind of after we do some, some R&D and menu testing down here in the Woodlands. So are you introducing new dishes at the Woodlands as well? We are. We are. So we've got, uh, we've got new snacks, new entrees. We've got uh, the only thing we didn't change is the whiskey cake itself. We've got a lot of new stuff going on.
You should see things on the menu, like we did a very cool uh, vegetarian uh, sloppy joe with gojujang and a little uh, Asian slaw on top uh, on house-made buns. That's super fun. It's a little Beyond Meat sloppy joe. Um, we're doing a, uh, a new version of a grilled Mauritius redfish that's got a uh, andouille hoppin' john on there. Um, doing a little uh, mesquite grilled duck breast. Mm. with uh, rutabaga mash and roasted cauliflower. So, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of goodness coming up. Sounds great. So what do you have planned for the next couple of months? I mean, as I know that people are dining indoors in Texas, but it's not capacity yet. But are, what are you looking forward most as, you know, the crisis kind of peters out a little, hopefully? <laughs> you, you know, the... Uh, we're starting to see more and more people willing to come out and go to restaurants. And I think what we've kind of experienced is the restaurants that aren't going to be able to take care of their guests and treat people right and sort of put in the safety measures they need to. You're seeing a lot of those restaurants that just aren't making it. So I think what you've got left in many of the areas here in Texas is the people that know how to do it right um, and that make guests feel comfortable and safe and all of that are the guys who are continuing to move forward. So um, that being the case, I think that we should probably move from 50% back to 75% sometime relatively soon. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's, it, that's an exciting step. Um, if you do the 75% occupancy plus six feet distance, there's not really a restaurant in the world that you can combine those two things and have them actually work. Because um, restaurants just aren't that big. You don't have that kind of space mm-hmm. in the dining room. So hopefully we'll be back to uh, to 100% occupancy model relatively soon. Uh, we are up in Oklahoma, and uh, it's going going fairly well. Um, other than that, I think the, uh, the 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 big thing that I'm really looking forward to is I, I think the the new menu rollout will be fun. I think everybody kind of retreated down to comfort food for a little while. Um, you know, mac, mac and cheese and chicken pot pies and, and chicken and dumplings were super big um, in the middle of the pandemic because everybody just wanted to hunker down and, and, and feel that hug from grandma that comes from some of that comfort food. Right. Um, now I think people are starting to get more and more back into a little bit of a, a more traditional life. You're starting to see more people willing to go out and, uh, mm-hmm. and we want to be here to take care of them. So that's, that's what we're going to keep doing. Is there anything you really look forward to eating or cooking? You know, um, the, as far as cooking, I get to kind of cook whatever, whatever I want. Um, I, I have a pretty well put together test kitchen in my house. So I've gotten to kind of R and D and play, uh, through, through quarantine, which has been fun. Um, but, uh, you know, some of my, uh, the thing I'm really looking forward to is, is the day I walk into a restaurant and it still feels normal because, even though you're walking into, um, you're going into a restaurant, you're getting the same food, you're having a very similar experience. There's reminders all over every restaurant, every, I mean, every business you go into, it's not just a restaurant thing. Um, you know, there, it's very evident that it's not what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited for that very first experience where you walk in and go, you know what, this is, this is what it is. I miss the communal aspect of dining. Um, you know, sitting at a table with 15 people and, and, you know, 14 of them making fun of John because he just said something stupid. And, you know, that's, 
that's just what food and cooking and dining is all about. So I'm, I'm excited to see those parties come back. I just have to ask you this out of my own curiosity. How did Whiskey Cake get its name? You know, uh, it's named after the whiskey cake. It's an actual thing. Oh. Um, so it's an English toffee tort with uh, bourbon anglaise and um, vanilla whipped cream. We import our vanilla and age it in, in uh, whiskey barrels. Um, everything's made in-house in our bakeries. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, it, that's, I mean, if you're talking signature dishes that I can never change, I think if, uh, if we ever run out of that, I won't make it to the parking lot. Like, I won't make it to my car. That's, so somebody, somebody's going to take me out before I get a chance to run away. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Erin. And that wraps up this episode of Menu Feed. You can listen to this and past episodes on Apple Podcasts. See you next time. Thank you.